You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am your humble host, card-carrying member of the Taysom Hill is not a franchise quarterback club, and already ordered a Cam Newton Patriots jersey, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man, the Duck Father, and recovering Texans fan, Clark Barnes, the working girl, Scotty Miller fanboy, and a level 42 and a half comic book nerd, Jordan Smith, and of course, the ginger, and eh, there is a beard uh, man, political wildcard that thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, Nick Botifer. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing good. Doing great, Pete. Good, Pete. How you doing? I am doing well. I think we will start the show by taking a victory lap. The Washington racial slurs did announce today that the name has officially, they've retired it, which is a really nice way of saying that this should have been done a long, long time ago. But uh, it is no more. They are announcing that they will pick a name later in the week uh we had talked about this on last week's show and this was obviously given the fact that there's not a lot of nfl happenings going on was the uh was the main news going around the interwebs and around the nfl circles um and we were talking about whether or not dan snyder would actually let this happen and that it would be a very dan snyder move to just laugh in everyone's face and say we're never changing the name but that has not happened they are going to change it um and like Jordan said, we were talking before we started recording. Jordan was hoping that they'd kind of come out with a name prior to us recording so that we could discuss it. But I can give you the Vegas odds for new name and our own Washington Red Tails are in the lead. Three to one odds for Red Tails. And then you have four to one generals and warriors and then five to one presidents and then Red Wolves is six to one. And then the rest of these, the Lincolns, Monuments, Veterans, Americans, Kings, mem- Memorials, Red Hawks, Roosevelt's, Skins, and the Jeffersons. Uh, if they follow the Texans lead, it will be the Washington <laughs> Americans. And finally, my favorite team will not have the lamest name in the NFL. I did. I have to, on that note, I was have to give quick credit to the onion who throughout all of this has been tweeted. Have you guys seen this, that the onion has been that the Washington Redskins have changed their name to the DC Redskins. (laughs) Did not. I thought that was a very, a very good quip on it. I was discussing with some friends actually about this last night and I'm like, you know what the, in the most Dan Snyder way, he's probably going to make it a name that like nobody's even like rooting for or considering. And I threw out because of how beholden he is to the sponsors, apparently, that they're just going to change it to the Washington Express. And that's going to be their new team name. Just taking a play the, from the, the Titans playbook. Gods. I like it. Yeah. To appease, to appease the FedEx gods. And their logo is just going to be an arrow. 
<laughs> just one giant arrow. <laughs> it's not going to be hidden this time either. No, it's going to be full display for everyone to see. Just a massive arrow. Uh, yeah, Nick, what are, what are those names rings rings for you? Or which would would you support? I don't know. I. I... <laughs> I actually, I think I'll just keep my opinion to myself, but I, I was kind of wondering if they finally worded their press release because they said that they're going to retire the nickname. And I was like, wait, is a team name a nickname? Like, what if they come out and they're just like, we're just not going to go with the abbreviation and you like, we'll just get rid of skins, but then keep the full name or something. Cause I mean, like Dan Snyder is just an evil person. Um, I don't know. I, I think something will be, something's afoot. I don't, I don't trust I, that we're out of this mess. That is also true because there has been, and this is all, I mean, I have to give a shout out to Hog Haven, SB Nation's uh, Washington sports team's uh, site because this is where I've been getting all of this news from because they tweeted out, it's some, some Washington uh, sports podcaster or radio host, I think, has been tweeting out talking about how there's like, seems like there's, he, he according to him that there's like damning evidence or damning news coming. Uh, and so there does seem like something foreboding possibly coming that maybe this is not going to be the beautiful, clean change that we all want, but Nick could be onto something where Dan Snyder gets his grubby fingers on this and somehow makes this worse or, or doesn't quite take it to the, uh, to the level that we as a people wanted. There's so many layers to even how they, so they, they, they claimed that their team name was after this one specific native American chief, um, that it like, it was to honor him. Um, of course, once like, uh, history was dug up about it, it turned out that that person was a white man who would go around, um, like dressing up as a native American chief and would do like sideshow stuff. Um, it, I mean, you can't even make this stuff up, but I, you know, they could just like change to his name or I don't know. They're yeah. I, he's just, Snyder is just such a bad actor. I can't imagine that the conclusion of this is anything other than him just seeking vengeance. I did not know that portion of it. And I'm like 0% surprised. Like, yeah, yeah it is- was based off of a guy doing red face basically. It's the least surprising. I mean, that makes sense for the name then. They're, they're talking just about the man skin. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, hopefully hopefully we'll have good news come next week's show where we can talk uh, at length about. It would also be cool. Like, I, I also kind of hope that in this reveal, that when they do announce the name, that it's not something just like Adam Schefter is tweeting out, like the Washington, Washington has decided to name their team the Washington, whatever, Warriors period. And like, that's the announcement. Like, give me, I want them to like, when they do the rollout, let's do it proper. And let's give us a logo. Let's give us Jersey designs. Like let's give us what everything's going to look like so that we can get really hyped and, and excited about it and give us plenty to, to talk about and critique uh, or to, uh, or to at least, you know, admire because uh, if it, if it's just, if the announcement is just going to be an Adam Schefter text, uh, I'm not going to be that excited. I'll be excited, but you know, I, let's. I want to see logos. Give me something good. Don't make me wait another like month to see what the logo is. He he's gonna troll us all with like the Washington Social Justice Keyboard Warriors, or like, <laughs> he's gonna put his own spin. It's gonna be so bad. Oh god! As someone who like lives in the area, and I haven't been here that long, so I can't say like I can't speak to the whole history of how the fandom works around here, but I 
definitely think that the Washington football team's fan base could use something new and something they could actually be proud of to like flaunt and to have because you can go through DC neighboring areas and the entire DMV and you're not exactly seeing a whole lot of Washington football team pride like that's not really a thing it is a lot of transplants here so that's part of it but it's yeah I think a new rebranding could be really good just from a business standpoint yeah well hopefully it'll come and hopefully we'll be able to talk about it on next week's show uh that's all that we got kind of in the news category what we're going to do today though is we're going to talk mid-round targets for fantasy drafts that may or may not be happening ever uh and this is something that I, in mocks that I've been doing for fake teams. Uh, so I do what we started. I've started doing a mock every Monday. Uh, and I found myself that in like the rounds five, five and six really, but five to like nine have been really tough for me because it feels too early to take flyers on guys who, who like, you know, I think there's high upside to, but there's a lot of risk. Uh, and there aren't many players who I feel like are sure things in that area. Cause like rounds one through four, you know who you're going to get or you know who you're tr- trying to get. Like, and if you're, you're me, I tend to go for my RB1, my RB2, and wide receiver one, wide receiver two uh, in the time window so that you're like set there. And then the later rounds, like 10 plus, that's where I take my super high upside, you know, but super like there's a lot of risk there, guys. It's also where I take my quarterback and tight end. And if you have defensive kickers that, but those middle picks, they're tough for me, uh, but they can also, they're kind of make or break for, for your year. Cause if you hit them, it's great. And if you're not, you suddenly don't really have much depth and you really have to be active on the waiver wire. So to help me with my drafts and win my leagues, I've made you guys share my, your most well-kept secrets of whom you're targeting in those rounds. So I, I can copy all of you and then have someone to blame other than myself for making bad picks in those rounds. Uh, so we each have a couple names from rounds like five to six onwards uh, through through nine. So I think that's like, Jordan, you, you sent this out. You were saying like picks 60 to 108 for those who, who take into the big numbers. Uh, so Clark, why don't we start with you? Who's a player in the mid rounds that you're going to be targeting in drafts? This was a, a good exercise for me. And it taught me that rounds five-ish to eight-ish is probably where I'm going to be looking for a quarterback whenever I'm Drafting, I usually like to go super early if I can get lucky and get someone like Mahomes or Lamar Miller at the or uh, Lamar Jackson at the end of the second. I'd love to, but uh, looking around at who's available here uh, before my guy, uh, we've got guys like Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd, and AJ Green, uh, and afterwards guys like Jarvis Landry and Julian Edelman. And I'm, you know, all of those guys could turn out to be really good picks, but just not really enthusiastic about them. And that's when I kind of turned to QB and the guy I'm looking at is Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think stability is going to be really big this off season. And outside of the mammoth loss of DeAndre Hopkins, the Texans are relatively unchanged. Uh, Watson only scored like 0.2 points more in losses than he did in wins. If you take out his worst performance in both last year, and he's the kind of quarterback who I think uh, brings his team up and rises to the occasion rather than uh, being buoyed by the talent around him like some other quarterbacks going in this range. So Deshaun Watson is my target in the mid rounds here, hoping to get that top three QB for a QB six price. 
Yeah, if you're if you're someone who doesn't want to sit wait and wait all the way back for quarterback, and you're and you're, I think Deshaun Watson is a, is a, obviously a safe bet, even with the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. I think it could be. This could be an offense that is like uber explosive and really takes advantage of Deshaun Watson, given the fact that he's surrounded by just like speed everywhere. And so this could be, it could be a really big year for him, especially if he's entering into that now new contract window where it's no longer your contract year, but you kind of have like your contract last three years where you negotiate uh, an extension when you're a young quarterback. Yeah, I think Deshaun Watson, I mean, just based on getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, who is top five wide receiver in the league that it might turn into a DeAndre or DeAndre, Deshaun Watson, (laughs) please, please do a lot of things for our offense type of season. Kind of like how um, it looks a little bit in uh, Seattle with Russell Wilson. Sometimes I'm I'm having a hard time with saying these names right now. It's Monday. (laughs) It was Um, a long weekend for Jordan. Yeah, (laughs) you could say that. Um, So yeah, I think Deshaun Watson, he's, I mean, he's always had a lot on on his shoulders, but with like the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, they got three uh, quick guys in Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, uh, Will Fuller, whether they can all stay healthy at a single time is a little bit of a toss up, but I think that's why they have all three of those speed guys, just to make sure they always have somebody that Deshaun Watson can just take shots to. So, um, my, my answer will be a little bit long-winded here, but just consider it a, a piggybacking into who, who I'm taking. Um, so I, I will not be getting any Deshaun Watson. Uh, I'm not going to draft a quarterback that early, but I will be getting my exposure to him uh, around pick 80. So, so <clears throat> the 7-8 tur- the turn, uh, like round 7 turn to round 8, is at pick uh, 84. And it just so happens that uh, at the ADP of 86 is Will Fuller. Fuller is, uh, he's a guy who on a weekly basis when healthy has a top 12 finish uh, solidly within his range of outcomes. That's not something that very many uh, players just across the board uh, reliably have in the range of outcomes. Fantasy football is all about just planning, figuring out what a player's range of outcomes are. Now his hamstrings always go. Um, but with the way that the uh, 2020 mock drafts or, or early drafts have been going, the running back depth is extremely shallow. And although there is excellent top tier wide receiver uh, value, there is a ton of value in these mid to late rounds. So I'm going to be hitting RB, RB, maybe grab one receiver and then go back running back. And then it's just it pound wide receiver. Um, what we're looking at with the Texans offense, uh, and this is from, I just got to uh, do a quick plug, plug. Everybody needs to go buy that. Uh, Warren Sharp's 2020 football preview came out this last week. Um, looking over the the target totals of last season, we're pulling DeAndre Hopkins out. He had 172 targets. The number two target uh, receiver on this team was Fuller with 79. So he almost had 100 more targets. So this is a ton of work that is now becoming available to the Texans receiving core. Will Fuller is obviously the, if not the the number one, like the X in this offense, he is the guy who has the most rapport with Deshaun Watson. Um, their strength of schedule is middling, but w- it, w- what we want is one, Will Fuller healthy. Uh, and the best way to do that is the beginning of the season. And looking at these early season games, Kansas City, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, 
Minnesota Vikings. Now it opens up, it gets a lot easier from there. But what we're seeing with that first four games of the season is shootouts. Those are all going to be teams that put the Texans in pedal to the metal situation. Like they're, they're not going to be able to commit to their establish the run uh, mindset early on. So I'm targeting Will Fuller everywhere I can, probably as my wide receiver too. Uh, if I get him as wide receiver three, then that's fantastic. But I think, uh, you know, lastly, we touch on this all the time uh, in the COVID era. We we don't know how well uh, new players are going to be able to develop a rapport with their quarterbacks. Having any sort of connection with your quarterback is going to be an extremely valuable thing. So I'm, I'm all in on Will Fuller uh, right at the beginning of round eight. Yeah, I like the idea. And even with Hopkins on the field, when Fuller has been there, uh, Fuller has sometimes performed better. He is absolutely lightning fast and not just fast he is a, a really good deep threat wide receiver and that he can go up and get balls and he's incredibly talented like you mentioned the only thing is the hamstrings have not been kind to him but in this range of picks uh, everybody's got their warts if he didn't he would be a second or third round player so I like taking a shot on a guy like Fuller who you know you never know Matt Stafford got hurt all the time early in his career lots of players have done this and come out of it uh and, and hamstrings are hopefully something that he can get over definitely like top seven or eight wide receiver potential yeah and and since you brought him up Nick I'm now looking at his stats like you definitely I for one have this idea of him just like oh my god Will Fuller plays like five games a season and then he's out last year he played 11 games like that's not full 16 but that's not terrible like that's double digit games that's that's a uh, productive of enough you know fantasy wise to get you solid scoring from a, like you said if it is, if he's your wide receiver two or your wide receiver three like that's not bad and so I think that that I think you're totally right where he is going to likely be the wide receiver one in this offense we know that th- like the, his connection with Deshaun Watson isn't just like Oh, it's a strong connection. It's like otherworldly. Like when he's on the field, the splits with Deshaun Watson when he's on the field are just insane. Deshaun Watson is a whole different quarterback um, and it just puts up stats with ease, especially touchdowns. So yeah, I think I think you have you've I've stayed away from him in a lot of my mocks and a lot of just kind of my own thoughts because of the injury, uh, you know, risk and and my fear for that. But I think that you are you've persuaded me, Nick, that maybe I should be reconsidering this injury risk and, and thinking that Will Fuller in the eighth round is, is a goddamn steal. Okay. Jordan, why don't you give us uh, a player you're targeting? Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, so one thing I wanted to do with this exercise is just kind of pick somebody towards the top of it and then somebody towards the back and also make sure I'd, I've made my best educated guesses to not pick somebody that I thought one of you guys would pick. Um, so my, the first guy I went with was Terry McLaurin at 62. Um, so kind of just under the threshold, uh, most fantasy players should know him by now, just based on how he, he burst out onto the scene last season as a rookie. Um, last year he finished 13th in defensive adjusted yards above replacement and 12th in total DVOA or well, wide receiver DVOA. Um, so basically that just measures the total value of the wide receiver. Um, versus the value per play, DVOA's value per play, um, which a top 15 wide receiver this late in the game sounds pretty great to me in both of those statistical categories. Um, and, and I think there's there's not a lot of competition there uh, in terms of taking away targets from him. It is Washington. They are a little bit, uh, a little bit dicey, but I think that shouldn't scare you away from Terry McLaurin just getting a good amount of work. And I'm... 
I'm a little bit more bullish on Dwayne Haskins than a lot of people. I think he has a lot of room to improve. And even average quarterbacks can help you get good fantasy production out of your wide receivers, especially if they're the top wide receiver on that team. Um, having 15.8 yards per reception and 9.9 yards per target last night was a big help. And um, I, I just like him at this point in the draft. I think that's a pretty good place to go. I like receivers that are starting out as rookies as you'll also see with my next pick and then coming into their sophomore season I like that little jump that they can make especially when they had such a good rookie wide receiver as Terry McLaurin um yeah I, I like this pick and I'm, I'm gonna keep mine quick because I think uh Terry Mack is is sort of Clark Starling here so I don't want to take up too much of the airtime but uh they're they're slate of pass defenses per uh, sharp football stats is, is pretty good. It's, it's top 12. Uh, I'm just looking through the strength of, or the, the schedule here. Now um, you've got games like the Arizona Cardinals a week two, Browns week three giants twice between week six and nine uh, the Detroit lions week 10 who lost Darius Slade then they get the Bengals uh, championship week in week 16 against the perhaps worst defense in the league against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the only guy who is really going to be competing for targets with McLaurin is, uh, I think, Steven, Stim, Steven Sims out of the slot, and then maybe some uh, – or no, excuse me, Chris Thompson's gone. Um, yeah, I, I think Terry McLaurin should – I think his season is lining up to be a top 15 kind of target share kind of guy this year. Uh, perhaps not, but I, I don't think he falls much further than that. So uh, – his talent is fantastic. He he's he developed really well last year, and I think he's he's got a lot of good situations schedule wise, and he should be getting eight targets a game. Yeah, not much to add here other than you know, like someone else who is a good wide receiver who showed out last year on a bad team, DJ Chark. The only fear is there is some change going on, and will that be enough to derail McLaurin? I don't know. I don't think so because he and Haskins looked really good last year. Um, you know, Jordan the stats I like more of just like watching the games and giving my feelings which is much easier and he is he is unbelievably fast and seems to be a pretty good route runner it is special in the NFL when you get the ball and can just outpace everyone else on the field there's only five or six guys that can do that uh and some of them aren't the best wide receivers and McLaurin you know has a chance this year to show that he's one of those guys so I think in this territory excellent choice yeah, he was. I had a list of like seven guys just that I could whittle down while you guys were making your picks. He was on my list. Uh, he's hands down a guy who I'm going to be targeting in this in this area because I think he is has easy potential to be a, a wide receiver two and and could also finish a wide receiver one uh, this year without without too much effort. Just given, like Nick said, how few, how few weapons there are in that passing attack and how he's going to eat up just a, a buttload of targets uh taking jordan's approach a little bit i did that i did a similar thing where i my first guy is right in the fifth round and he is a man who i will probably actually be passing on terry mclaurin for because they're both going more or less right next to each other uh but i have to i have to draft kareem hunt in every single one of my drafts this year uh especially if it's a ppr league i just think that He is going, the fact that he is going as the RB 29 is ludicrous in my mind. I think he is a lock uh, to be a top 15 running back, especially if it's in PPR leagues, just given the amount of usage you can already look at last year when he came into the Browns, he was a top 17. He finished between weeks 10 and 17. He was uh, running back 17 in PPR leagues. Nick Chubb was bumped all the way down to uh, running back 15, but also like, 
let's not forget Kareem Hunt was a monster when he entered the league. I'm looking at his numbers right now, and and I certainly have forgotten just how good his rookie year with the with the Chiefs: 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground, and then 450 yards and three touchdowns through the air. The next year, where he played 11 games, 800 and 800 yards on the ground, seven touchdowns, and 300 plus yards and seven touchdowns through the air. I think that it's going to be a pretty even split in my mind uh, between the ground in the past as opposed to who Nick Chubb Nick Chubb is going to be on the ground and Kareem Hunt will be utilized in the passing game is, is my feeling I just think that there is so much work for Kareem Hunt to do in this offense and that they've already shown that they're go they want to give him the ball and I know it's going to be a different system under um, Steven Stefanski but I don't think that that's going to diminish uh, Kareem Hunt's value at all so I am I'm taking him every every draft I can in the fifth or, or sixth rounds, wherever he's going. Okay. So I'm not going to end up drafting <laughs> Kareem Hunt. Yeah. We, we did the mute thing. Um, I'm not going to end up drafting Kareem Hunt uh, because of where he's going and because of how I'm conducting my drafts. Like I said, I want to go RB, RB, maybe receiver that get another RB and then pound receiver. Uh, so just where he is in this range, I won't end up getting him. If you take a contrarian approach this year and lean into some sort of modified zero RB, I think Kareem Hunt's a really good option. He's got a really safe floor. I don't think that he has much of a ceiling to offer while Nick Chubb is in the lineup. Um, this is uh, from uh, Establish the Run's off-season uh, three content. Uh, once Kareem Hunt entered the lineup last season, Nick Chubb's targets per game went from four to two. Uh, that's noteworthy for Chubb and, and is noteworthy for Hunt too, but uh, his role is pretty safely defined as a guy who's going to probably get six targets, uh, maybe five, and then maybe an equal amount of carries, or maybe it might be skewed more towards the targets, but he's mostly a change of pace receiving back in this offense. He is participating in uh, wide receiver online study groups this year, and I'm sure he's participating in the running backs too, but it is just noteworthy that they have him studying with the wide receivers as well. Uh, if Nick Chubb is to go down, Kareem Hunt becomes a top eight fantasy uh, running back so he, he's got plenty of upside you know if xyz happens i think that is a flex pick as long as it's in a uh, some form of uh, ppr league it, yeah uh, he's, he's fine if you do go with the uh, more receivers early than running backs yeah and quickly like you were saying nick he was last year when he played with the browns 43 attempts 44 targets so, like, I think you're totally right that it's it's going to be a pretty much exact even split in terms of his attempts and and his work in the ground and work in the air. I'll offer a dissenting opinion here. So, one of the great things about uh, Shanahan's offense, uh, both the father and the son, and Gary Kubiak, and what I you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what we expect out of Stefanski to bring from the Vikings is that they line up and do the same motions over and over and over and run different plays out of them. So I don't think that we're going to see what we saw last year with Kareem Hunt in the backfield for certain plays and Chubb in the backfield for certain plays. I think they're going to ride Chubb and give him all of the work that he can. And the only thing keeping me from having Nick Chubb as like my number two or three running back is that Kareem Hunt's very good. Uh, and he is not just a pass catching running back. He is a very good running back. And I think the smart thing to do would be, even if you really love Chubb over Kareem Hunt, why would you not give Kareem Hunt every third series or something just to keep your players fresh? Because they are, you know, Nick Chubb can catch the ball. He, he is enough of a threat as a running back needs to be in this type of offense to keep defenses honest. Uh, but I, this is way too rich for me. Uh, 
if Nick Chubb goes down though, Kareem Hunt, I think vaults into that like number three running back in the league of like, who would you start over him in DFS very often? It's going be a pretty short list. I will add that I, I like the Kareem Hunt pick because I mean, I hope Nick Chubb as a fan of Nick Chubb, he, he gets to play the entire season, but on the off chance that he does go down, this is like a better version of having Austin Eckler in the wings if Malcolm, when Melvin Gordon was getting injured or holding out or whatever he was doing. Um, I also like the aspect of when I'm, when I'm looking at this list of ADP that we're basing this off of, if you're looking at running backs that are almost immediately behind Kareem Hunt, some, a few more uh, notches down the list, but you got JK Dobbins, Damian Williams, uh, like 15 spots later, Ronald Jones. I, I, I like Kareem Hunt's, opportunity for workload much better than those guys so it kind of seemed like Kareem Hunt is maybe the last guy uh, you see Marlon Mack down this list a little bit he might be one of the last running backs that you could possibly grab that will give you top 10 production if he's called in to you know carry a full workload on a game or even if not he, he still can be you know top 20 top 15 and help carry you in some cases so um, yeah, I like that that threshold that he's at. Uh, all right. Well, we each got uh, two or one more guy who we're going to target in the mid round. But before we get into that, let's take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. Jordan, give us another guy who you're targeting in the middle rounds. Um, so this guy is a little bit closer towards the back end of these, um, this little section that we decided to carve out. Uh, it's another second year guy, rookie last year. Um, it's Darius Slayton uh, with the New York Giants. Uh, this one's a little bit more of a hoping for a high reward here on a low risk type of thing. Uh, he was 30th and 25th in DYAR and TPOA respectively last year. Uh, he's playing again with another second year NFC East, oddly, uh, quarterback that I think can still get a little bit better. And at least if hopefully Daniel Jones is maybe processing the game a little bit better and that can only help uh, Darius Slayton improve. Um, I, I do think that he might be like a flex player at best this season. Just unlike Terry McLaurin, he does have some competition for targets, whether that be um, Golden Tate, if he continues to hang around, or um, not Tyler Boyd, the other one. I always get these two confused. 
Anyway, there's another wide receiver there that I'm playing on right now. Saquon Barkley. No, not Golden Tate. Um, Sterling Shepard? Sterling Shepard, yes. I don't know why I always get them confused. I'm pretty sure they were the same draft class. Sterling Shepard. So there is a little bit of competition there. Um, And kind of going back to my point about the uh, Kareem Hunt and the running backs that are behind them, just based on the other players that are in this sort of range, the only guy who I would probably pick over him in this area, this part of the draft is Marvin Jones. Uh, But I figured Pete has a love affair with Marvin Jones right now. So he might. Oh, shocking. Guess who my pick is. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. Um, But other, other players are guys like Jerry Judy, CD lamb, both rookies could both, you know, uh, outkick their coverage this season, but I'm kind of avoiding guys going into new situations. Uh, Christian Kirk now has to complete with uh, Nuck, who we talked about earlier. Uh, Brandon Cooks is also in a new team situation, so I'm just kind of maybe banking on consistency and Darius Slayton being in the same type of situation. New head coach, but I'm, I'm just hoping like the quarterback wide receiver chemistry kind of trumps uh, anything that might be there. So I, I like the idea of grabbing Slayton, who is a guy that had eight touchdowns in 14 games last year. So uh, Slayton is probably going to be a waiver wire or trade target for me uh, more towards the middle of the season. They, they open with some pretty stiff uh, competitors, like really kind of lockdown defenses and, and there will be room for shootout potential. Um, but, you know, as Danny Dimes is kind of honing in his accuracy um Pittsburgh Steelers Bears uh Niners Rams all, all to start the season what I like is and, and they got the Bucks and the Eagles who now have slay uh Eagles twice and, and and Bucks in the middle they do get Washington but what I really like is the way that the season closes out for the Giants you're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals uh Seattle Seahawks Arizona Cardinals Cleveland Browns we do get the Ravens in championship week in, in week 16 but um I think it's a little a little tough for me to want to pull the trigger on him uh, at, at this point in the draft with that kind of an upcoming schedule. Cause I just don't think I'll start him. And there are some other guys in the area that I, I like a little bit more. I like the call a lot. I think that he's a, he's a guy who we saw really, really big games out of last year. Um, he had two games over 120 yards with multiple touchdowns. So we know he has like the huge playability that Sterling Shepard and golden Tate maybe don't have downfield um i would be curious to see i I mean i'm interested to see what this wide receiver room along with evan ingram kind of shakes out to be uh but i think that i think that darius slayton is a wide as a young guy obviously finishing coming into his second year who showed a lot and and among the rookie wide receivers last year there were so many that got hyped that he's a one who's probably going to be more or less pretty like regularly overlooked and so you might be able to get him like even cheaper than what he's currently going as in just your own personal leagues uh, with people who are maybe not as tuned into the uh, football world as, as people playing in, in more professional leagues. Clark doesn't, doesn't play in any league where it's not. For well, professionals. So uh, this is, it's always hard to tell, right? We're all, we're all guessing and, and we can come up with reasons why we're guessing, but this is the kind of situation that I don't like. I don't think Daniel Jones is very good, even though he played better than we thought, but we thought he was going, not we, uh, the, the community thought he was going to be an absolute laughingstock who wouldn't be able to get his pants on straight. He played better than that. Uh, <laughs> but as someone who's watched Jason Garrett coach teams for a really long time, I do not have much 
optimism about this offense for anyone other than Saquon Barkley, who will disturbingly be uh, not used in the passing game uh, like Ezekiel it was. Hopefully that changes. You know, Daniel Jones can move around, and he had a good connection uh, with Slayton last year, and and that could pick up right where it leaves off. But when there are like three or four pieces changing, I really don't like it, uh, and I don't know. It's it's a tough one. But these are these are late round guys. I'll not begrudge anybody's eighth round pick as a bad one. Uh, as Jordan coaxed out of me during his uh, Darius Slayton chat, my second guy is of course Marvin Jones Jr. for the Detroit Lions. I mean. The man is going as the wide receiver 41 right now, which is just mind blowing to me. Uh, Last year, he finished as the wide receiver 28, despite missing three games and having no Matt Stafford for a third of the season. If you took Marvin Jones's production with Stafford last year and spread it across all 16 games, he was on pace for 84 catches, thousand yards and 11 touchdowns. So which would have finished you as wide receiver seven last year. (laughs) So basically you're getting a top 10 wide receiver way back in the draft because uh, what happened last year will of course happen this year, but it's his connection with Matt Stafford is, is well-documented. And while Kenny Galladay gets deservedly a lot of hype in that offense, Marvin Jones is kind of the quiet second fiddle. Who's not even really a second fiddle as long as he can stay healthy. And that's been his biggest thing is that he's had trouble staying on the field since signing with Detroit. You know, he missed one game in his first year and then 2018, he only played nine games. And then last year he only played 13 games. So there, that is the risk that kind of pushes him down. But uh, fun fact, if you look at since 2016, when Marvin Jones did join the lions only what one, two, three, four, five wide receivers, have scored more touchdowns than Marvin Jones in that time in that time span. So you're getting a guy who is solidly going to score, solidly going to put up numbers, uh, no matter how bad the Lions are, no matter how much you forget about them being actually an explosive offense and having multiple weapons outside of Kenny Galladay. Uh, Marvin Jones is another is a receiver in the late rounds who I am going to have in all my leagues. So until Matt Stafford went down last year, the Lions were good. And I think that that's really easy to forget because we saw nine games of eight or nine games of them being really bad. And um, this is going to be pretty quick for me. Marvin Jones is really good. And Matt Stafford is enough to support two fantasy options each week. Uh, We look at things like how did this wide receiver finish? And I'll have a comment on that with my last guy. That doesn't really matter. You know, when it's week four and you need to decide you're going to start someone, I have no problem starting Marvin Jones, even if Kenny Dalladay is on the field, because I have enough faith in Matt Stafford to give me two wide receivers that can produce and not make me lose that week. So Marvin Jones is kind of becoming, I don't know, perpetually undervalued at the beginning of the year and then performs when he plays. So I like that one. I like with the Marvin Jones situation in Detroit that they are, I feel like they feel like they're pretty content with the wide receivers that they have. They didn't really do anything to address uh, like uh, Danny Amendola is there. He's aging, but he's not exactly going to be uh, siphoning a majority of targets away from Marvin Jones. Uh, They signed Geronimo Allison, I guess, drafted Quintez Cephas. That's not exactly like a threat to Marvin Jones's production or opportunity. So I, I like when teams kind of be like, you know what? Yeah, we're we're good at this position, and in terms of fantasy, at least. Yeah, I think that Marvin Jones can safely be billed for the sort of uh, upper end uh, target range 
uh, for a number two receiver. Uh, he's really talented. He, he's a very good jump ball. I, at, at times, he's been the most successful uh, jump ball receiver in the league. Uh, their strength of schedule has some bears on it, but it's also got a nice little slate from week six to 12 of uh, Jaguars, Falcons, Colts, uh, Vikings, but then Washington, Panthers, Texans. Like, that's an awesome time to own them. The, the back half of their season or the back quadrant of their season does get pretty tough, and maybe <clears throat> you trade him away, you know, sell high on him after he goes six to seven weeks putting up really good numbers. Um, I think this is a totally fine pick for uh, for the type of strategy that I'm talking about that I've been employing of running back early and super deep wide receiver. Nick, why don't you uh, segue this into your another guy who you're targeting in the mid rounds with your uh, this this game winning strategy that you've keyed us all in on? Cool. So uh, I, earlier on, I mentioned the uh, the beginning of round eight is pick number eighty four. Uh, Will Fuller going eighty six. Well, one pick before that is Deontay Johnson at number eighty five. Uh, per Sharp Football stats, the Steelers have the seventh easiest strength of schedule and the number one easiest slate of pass defenses. Um, we like to see that for Ben Roethlisberger's return. Last year, as a rookie, Deontay Johnson led the team in targets. Uh, Juju, you know, he had his, his wonky year, but that's no small feat, uh, regardless of what the situation is. He played really, really well on the outside, and I, I expect him, and I think many people expect him to be locking down the exposition while Juju works on the inside. I think that they they complement themselves. This this offense is really falling into place where the two top dogs complement each other's strengths and weaknesses, and uh, and um, I think that we could see a hundred uh, target season out of him. Uh, and again, I mean, their strength of schedule, you, you look through this thing and um, it's just a, a smattering of either bad defenses or, or just all around good teams, but with offenses that are, are really going to be scoring a lot of points. But I, I really can't overstate that the Steelers defensive slate is, is something to be whole uh, giants, Texans, uh, Browns, a couple Bengals, Jaguars, Washington. Yeah, um, really like this pick. If, if I can come in and get uh, the back-to-back the -back picks, like if I'm picking at the 7-8 the turn, Deontay Johnson, Will Fuller as either my wide receivers, twos and threes or, or three and four, uh, I'm going to be ecstatic. Just like how Jordan didn't want to talk about Marvin Jones because he knew I was going to take him, uh, I didn't want to talk about Deontay Johnson because I knew Nick was going to take him. I knew that was going to be one of Nick's guys. I think it's, I think you want to buy into this Steelers offense because last year left such a bad taste in everyone's mouth that I could see a lot of their skill players getting pushed down because of the fact that, you know, you're just like, Oh my God, last year was such a hell hole. Why do I want to deal with, with that team again? You're hoping Ben Roethlisberger plays a full season and is healthy, or at the very least they have some sort of backup plan for him. That's better than duck Hodges or, uh, or whatever the most punchable face in the NFL is. What's his name? Mason Rudolph. Yeah, that Mason guy. Rudolph. Um, anyways, but so yeah, I mean, he, and, he just, he played super well. He, you know, he, he got thrown into, uh, to action and he handled it really well. I think he led the team in receiving, um, and, and might've been up there again. I'm going to have to come through the 2020 football preview again, but I think he was up there at the top of the, uh, rookie, uh, receiving line, just period. Yeah, no. And he came in in a bad situation and balled out and that's, Tends to be a good sign that when the situation then gets good, you'll keep balling out. Who, which one was it? Was it Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges that that one uh, fantasy expert on Twitter said was going to win MVP this season? Not to call anybody out, but that's guy, that's a par It's a parody account. Okay, or it's, it's satire. Parody account. 
Yeah, yeah. No, oh, they good. they list good. they list all of the similarities between Mason Rudolph and Lamar Jackson, and he just keeps <laughs> retweeting it because he he put together like this really long list of like technical similarities. And when I first saw it, somebody who I greatly respect retweeted. I just kind of stared at my screen for a little bit and was like, "This has to be a joke." And the it, it's something similar to you know like the three year Letterman. It's on Twitter. It's something similar to that, where the 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 count name is like fantasy champion, like three time champion or whatever. Anyway, yeah, no, it it's a very well done uh, uh, satirical uh, tweet. I mean, you're you're gonna want to get a piece of that MVP action, so. right? I mean, if he's gonna win MVP, you want to make sure you've got any wide receiver who he's gonna be throwing the ball to. Clark, why don't you finish us off, uh, guy who you're taking in the mid rounds? So I went outside the bounds of what we were supposed to do. God to, uh, damn brand. Went a little bit past uh, where we were drafting, but it is someone who I think is going to draft into this range uh, as the season approaches. And uh, I've got a, I've got a game for us. I know this is usually your, uh, your area, Pete, but if they haven't looked it up, does anyone know who the tight end 12 was last year? Last year. I'm getting a lot of blank looks, so I'm going to jump ahead. It was Will Darren Fells. Darren oh. Fells. Does everyone know what team Darren Fells plays on? The Texans. The best named team in the league. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, until until the Washington, uh, whatever it was, Americans take over. <laughs> so the point of the story being, uh, the tight end 12 in our parlance would be the worst starting tight end, but oh man, at least you had the worst one and you weren't starting like the tight end 20, but that's not how fantasy football works. So when I get into this range, I'm not trying to draft a wide receiver who I hope will finish as the wide receiver 26, because that doesn't matter. Uh, Hopefully you didn't start the wide receiver 26 uh, the whole season because you would have been very disappointed. Darren Fells scored fewer than one points in like five games last year and he finished as the tight end 12. Uh, so when I'm in this range, I'm not looking for someone like that. I'm looking for someone who I'm going to know very early on. Are they going to be a huge powerhouse or are they just going to be waiver wire fodder for me being drafted at 115 is one Robert Gronkowski for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we're going to see right away if Gronk can still play football or not. And is Tom Brady going to go to him? This is a free pick. And you can pair him with someone like Jack Doyle. And if you are totally wrong, you're going to be in the same spot that eight other teams in your league are going to be. And if you're right, you're going to be, you're going to have a viable competition for the team that has George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. So Rob Gronkowski, baby. Your whole preamble. I was like, wow, this is a really weird way to like Clark to talk about Darren Fells and like make that his pick, but okay. Okay. I'm going with it. And then I should have known. I should have known it was Gronk. I should have known. Yeah. um, I think Gronk's a fine pick. I I keep ending up with one tight end and uh, whenever I'm drafting and it's because like there's basically that top tier, and then there's this sort of ambiguous handful of guys that are going too early, like Tyler Higby and Evan Ingram, that I'm not going to spend a pick on. You should and not draft. It's like 15, 10 to maybe it's 10, but like the, the, the third tier of tight ends is massive. And, and so many of these guys are just going undrafted. Like, uh, I mean, Gasicki, he, he was running out of the slot last year. He balled out to, to end the season, Dallas Goddard. 
uh, Noah Fant is going to be in his Johnny Smith, TJ Hawkinson. Kyle Rudolph. I, yeah, I, I was building Pete, but Johnny Smith is, is my favorite tight right now. Per this ADP, he's coming up board as the 17th tight end. Give me him all day long. Give me Ian Thomas. Give me Irv Smith. I think that that Kyle Rudolph is is getting uh, jumped. Um, anyway, yeah, no, there's so many good options, and I absolutely draft Gronk. If it doesn't work out, then just go pick up somebody who's going to do the same or better. Yeah. The tight end position might be something I just stream all, all season if there is a season. Right. And you and with Gronk, you give yourself a shot to avoid that. And if you're wrong, well, so was everyone else who didn't right. draft Kelsey Kittle or Mark Andrews. Right. Yeah, I, I enjoy the logic of just draft Gronk because of his position. He's a tight end. And if you're wrong, then you're in the same position that a lot of people in the league are going in your fantasy league are going to be in because tight end is such a scarce position. And if you're right, then maybe you've, you know, cornered the market on tight ends and you're, you know, you have two successful tight ends. Maybe you can trade one, play them both, flex that tight end option. All right. Well, there you go. Those are some mid round targets uh, that you guys should be looking at in your drafts. If you have, some mid round targets that you want us to make sure we know about and, and help me win my drafts uh, because you know, it's all about this. I've created this podcast just so that I can uh, absorb information from everyone and then internalize it and win my own fantasy draft. It's all about me. Uh, tweet them at us at RB one podcast and follow us on Twitter or leave them in the comments for our podcast. So make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, fake teams podcast channel that's where you'll find us leave your guys in the comments there leave us a review if you have any fantasy questions drop them there as well and we'll answer them on the show you can follow myself at pete m rogers follow clark at nfl clark uh jordan at jordan underscore smith 27 and nick at ginger underscore underscore nick without a k all on twitter we will be back at you next week hopefully with great news breaking down the washington americans new logo until then peace